If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast, and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a signed and framed Tony Cotty shirt. Tickets are just £4.95 each and just 65 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Friday and the winner is drawn an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Byrne and Vladimir Soufal up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Andre Yarmolenko has got to be trolling West Ham fans now as the Ukrainian winger scored again in his country's 2-1 win at Finland straight off the back of pretty abject showings in his last three West Ham outings. Lukas Fabianski was given a guard of honour and was overcome with emotion as he played his last ever game for Poland. Pablo Fornals was off the bench for Spain in the Nations League final. Suchek and Kral played for Czech Republic. Vlasic for Croatia. Uh, ben Rama for Algeria and Declan Rice was rested by Gareth Southgate for England against Andorra and at time of recording we're not quite sure yet whether he's starting against Hungary on Tuesday night which is where uh, me you find me and James Jones having a chat with each other with no club games West Ham United are still ninth in the Premier League and more importantly still first in Europa League Group H. Reese Bayliss is going to have a few weeks off the podcast for some personal reasons so it'll just be James Jones and I for a while so strap yourselves in as we cover the five games in three competitions that West Ham United have before the end of October. Jonesy last week felt like somewhat the calm before the storm international break always a little bit slower pace general levels of football interest tend to wane a bit but there's absolutely heaps coming up for West Ham loads coming up for the podcast as well in the next few weeks it's going to be a busy time for all concerned mate uh, are you ready for it yeah I'm ready for it I'm sick and tired of these international breaks as I'm sure everyone is it's, um, particularly in the season when you're doing really well and you're, you're kind of after every game you're looking forward to the next one um, but we've got what as you said five between now and November it's, it's going to be, and particularly you've got what Spurs coming up, City in the Cup. So some massive games coming up as well. So, yeah, buzzing for it. Looking forward to getting going this weekend, mate. Yeah, 19, ga- 19 days, excuse me, left until the end of the month, that time of recording. Um, yeah, so sort of less than uh, or more than one game in less than, God, that's it. That's a difficult. What I'm trying to say, Jonesy, I'm just, you <laughs> might have to walk me through this, mate. 
Uh, I did done the maths. I realised that it's it's around one game every four days, but because it actually works out slightly less than four days, I did the maths, but then I couldn't do the English in my head. But do you get what I'm trying to say? I know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I think it's about one game every three point nine days, but it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well, does it? Just Not like, that the way I've delivered it as maybe like every sixty hours or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, but then I suppose when you start drilling down into minutiae minutes and hours, the general quality of the broadcast goes downhill, doesn't it? And it just yeah, turns people off. I think it's always better luck like we're doing now, though, to talk about it for two minutes instead of just uh, rolling <laughs> with it like I could have in the first place. But um, yeah, never mind. So anyway, what, what I'm trying to say is, mate, West Ham have got quite a lot of games in the next few weeks, which will uh, <laughs> which will be pretty exciting. Um. Jonesy, something else that's exciting. I know you like my links like that, but uh, exciting time for the podcast Thursday night. Me and you are having a little night out together, aren't we? Got to get suited and booted and dressed up all fancy. Uh, and why is that? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think we've shouted much about it, but we've been nominated. Yeah, very humble, mate, aren't we? We are very, very humble. humble, yeah. Um, some some of our followers on social media may have remembered a few months ago, we were we were asking for people to vote for us at the Football Content Awards. We were we decided to enter um, the best charitable campaign for the work we did for alongside Betway last last season uh, and this season. But the award is for last season, raising over twelve and a half grand for for three incredible West Ham related charities. And um, we thought we'd just put us put ourselves in there, ask people to vote for us, and thankfully they did because we're. We're nominated in the finals, uh, so we're going on Thursday night to the Royal Lancaster Hotel. Um, still, actually, have no idea where that is, but it's somewhere. Uh, in absolutely, I was just going to say that. Still, yeah. none the wiser. told me about. Um, I need to find that out, and I'll, I'll send you the address, mate. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going. Should be a good night. Uh, a room packed full of uh, content creators of all types. There's loads of awards, um, and we're up for the best charitable campaign alongside some. Some other very very worthy candidates in our field. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Even if we don't win, it'll be a it'll be a fantastic night. Um, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's exciting, mate. Um, one thing I do just want to pull you up on. Uh, when I text you about it and you sort of explained the dress code, your response to me was a load of laughing emojis. I can't, and then the words, I can't wait to see what you look like dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen you dressed up, mate. It's always sort of casual what or about... some really questionable clobber. So, um... <laughs> what about when we used to do the um, do the the live radio show, which is obviously the birth of this podcast in the studio in Southwark? When we used to do that, I surely I used to, I used to come and meet you after work then, didn't I? I yeah, surely I had some smart gear on then. There's there's smart office attire and then there's smart attire, and um, I've only ever seen you in smart office attire. So right. it's um, the 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 dress code for Thursday is um, cocktail dress, which I'm sure you've got. You've funny, got it's funny you say that actually. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not black tie, but it's it's smart. So. Um, I'll be I'll be probably be dishing out one of me one of my best blazers and probably a turtleneck as well. I don't fancy a shirt. I fancy a turtleneck. Mate, so time of year. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we've got onto this now. Actually, unfortunately, it's the international break, so I don't feel too guilty about the intro talking nothing about West Ham for about 15 <laughs> minutes before we, before we eventually get onto the international break roundup. Um, but on that note, then, so because my sort of provisional thoughts in the the wardrobe planning uh, was going to like. Yeah, smart enough um, 
some smart blue, dark blue trousers. I was going to go white t-shirt under a blazer. Ooh. It's a bit like edgy, isn't it, nowadays? Very, very like Sky, Sport, Sky Sports pundit sort of vibes. Yeah, it's very, it's very Jamie Carragher. Mm, um, yeah, I mean that in itself puts me right off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like very, or it's like very Silicon Valley entrepreneur at a, uh, an event sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I Jamie Carragher, Mark Zuckerberg. You know, which Mark one? Zuckerberg, which one are you gonna pick? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, both like questionable characters, really, aren't they? I think yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, on the whole, probably doing slightly more damage in the world than. Jamie Carragher's dodgy football takes. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so just quick verdict then, because my go-to would, of course, be a, a roll neck afterwards if, if it's not T-shirt. So um, what are we saying? Yes or no on the T-shirt vibes? Maybe I'll send you a couple of pics of me in the outfit. Yeah, I mean, might as well send me a couple of pics. Might, if you're going to go turtleneck, mine's going to be black. So just don't. Mm, so it's mine, mate. So it's mine. <laughs> of course it's going to be black. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe. Um, we take pictures and we, we put it to a vote on, on, on the socials. I mean, I, I don't know if I can... We'll get the listeners to I, decide. I don't know if my ego can take that, mate, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> but, uh, well, look, exciting times anyway. Exciting yeah. to see what we'll, uh, we'll both be uh, turning up in on Thursday. Uh, yes, thanks to anyone um, who did vote for us for those already. Uh, we do appreciate it. And we're really proud of the work we've done. Um, again, massive thanks to Betway for that last season. Same again this year to raise that sort of money uh, for those three West Ham charities, Isla's Fight, Dylan Tombidi's Foundation and the Bobby Moore Fund means a lot to uh, to me and James. So we're delighted um, to have been recognised with this on Thursday. Uh, Josie, the West Ham women drew one all with Birmingham after that excellent win at Manchester City. Uh, they sit sixth in the WSL. A little bit annoying. You'd have liked to have built on that against a team that that have not been performing well at all in the WSL this season. But Birmingham already uh, proving to be an Oli Harder bogey side after that um, dramatic late equaliser they got against us last season. Uh, no games to look back on this week, mate, but that tricky fixture away at Everton to look forward to on Sunday. What have you been doing with yourself? I know I've had this conversation before, but what have you been doing with yourself uh, over the international break? Engaging with it or watching it or just having a little bit of a uh, switch off time? Well, as as you know, and as everyone knows, it's difficult to switch off when you work in the industry. Um, so switching off isn't really a thing for me, but I've watched, I've watched a fair bit of it. I watched a little bit of Wales the other night. Um, watched a bit of England at the weekend, although the pub I went to to watch the England game weren't having it on. Sky was up the spout, so I had to sit there on in in the beer garden with my phone out, watching it on my phone, which was a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, it was quite funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've been I've been keeping a close eye on it. I, I, I mostly just keep an eye on what what the West Ham players are doing naturally. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll uh, we'll go into that in a little bit of detail in a little while, mate. Eight players it was who went away with their um, international sides in the end. Mikel Antonio and Vladimir Sufal stayed behind. Um, so yeah, we've got eight of them to to have a look at. A little rundown about what they've been up to. That'll be in part two, just before we kick off the podcast properly. I know you're probably thinking, oh no, please can we have more fashion chat? Uh, well, unfortunately, we are going to have to talk about football. So uh, before we get into all that, uh, don't forget you can follow us uh, on social media. On Twitter, we are at we are underscore West Ham. On Instagram, we're we are West Ham Pod. Facebook, just search we are West Ham Podcast for the group. 
the YouTube channel, it's the same thing. Just search We Are West Ham Podcast, and you can email us if you so wish at wearewestampod at gmail dot com jonesy gets uh, a few video clips and stuff up on the facebook page which is gradually getting a few more likes and follows jonesy isn't it yeah doing really well i'm pleased with with the way people are engaging with them uh, yeah. i want to get more out though so i'm uh, very conscious of that so um yeah, yeah yeah but the trouble is we need to save more interesting things that are only like a minute long so i can <laughs> so i can clip them up nicely because I, I often Lovely. often i'm an r which one's the best quote so um yeah. But yeah, we just got to make sure we say more interesting things from now on. Yeah, just stop talking about t-shirts and polo necks for 15 <laughs> minutes on a football podcast, mate. I've already touted that as a as a good promo clip for <laughs> yeah, a Thursday yeah, morning before the event. That's viral content written all over it, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, look, so uh, you can find links to all of the ways you can follow and contact We Are Stan uh, in the description to this podcast. Don't forget as well, if you so wish, you can buy us a beer or support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash We Are West Ham. Thanks to those of you who have done that already. And uh, Thursday, some of that money we can guarantee will be getting spent on a few beers as we've promised in the past it'll only go on beer or equipment or guests to make the podcast better so if you've already done that over at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham do appreciate it and if you're so fancy doing it now that would be great too just to let you know then what's coming up on this week's show we'll have a little international roundup of course like i say eight players there yarmolenko fabianski for now suchek alex kral uh, nikola vlasic saeed ben rama and Declan rice all the way with their nations we'll have a look into that we'll do the betway charity bets because we're looking ahead to that game sunday afternoon at goodison park tricky one uh, we've got the three bets again those selections will be made in part three we're going to do a little the, the success of the news roundup last week but it's not going to be west ham related we're going to have a little bit of a chat just briefly about the newcastle takeover what ramifications that might have for West Ham and our thoughts on it. Generally, pretty big news in football. We'll do the West Ham women in that one all draw with Birmingham in part five before once again we say goodbye for another week. It's exciting stuff. Of course, an opposition view with Tony Scott took head to that Everton game as well. So lots to cover. Uh, no more fashion chat if we can help it, I promise. So the first thing is first, we'll do international break next. <laughs> I started the podcast with this Jonesy, but surely Andre Yarmolenko is just trolling West Ham fans now. It's, it's just, it's getting silly. It was kind of a joke in the summer. It was, ah, oh, he just always does so much better for Ukraine. Why does he never do anything like that for West Ham? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's a bit funny. Scores again as his country beat two, uh, beat Finland 2-1 in the World Cup qualifiers during this international break. I don't, uh, it's borderline not funny anymore, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost because the last three games he's played for West Ham, he really wasn't too impressive at all. But um, yeah, he just he, he just can't stop scoring when he pulls on the yellow shirt of Ukraine, can he? Yeah, he's getting a bit silly now. Um, I wonder what David Moyes is thinking. Just like, well, hang on, mate. You've got a club to play for as well, you know. Not... <laughs> We're the one who pay you. Yeah, like, he, I mean, what a goal as well he scored the other night. And, We've seen him do that for us. Describe it, Josie, for those of uh, the listeners who haven't seen it. Well, he, he picks the ball up. I cut him from the right, bent one in the top corner from 30 yards of his left. No. Nah. Yeah, there we go. No, nah. nah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I've been, I saw it earlier. I'm just trying to picture it again in my head. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a right-footed right effort as well. 
Um, picks the ball up sort of round centrally about 30 yards out, beats a couple of men and then just pings it from about 20, 25 yards bottom corner. And I'm pretty sure it was his right foot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a good finish. Um, and he just, we've seen it in stages at West Ham where he's threatened to do it, isn't he? But I, I think personally, I put it down to the fact that when he turns out for Ukraine, he's captain. He's the big, mm. he's the big, big fish. He's the big name. And at West Ham, he's kind of, you know, he's a, he's a backup player. He's a, he's a fringe player. Um, rarely gets a start. He's often sort of on for the last 10, 15, 20 minutes of a game, mm. which is difficult for any player to make a, make a, a meaningful impact on any game when you're coming on with just 20 minutes to go and you're a little bit cold. But even the games he started this season, he's not the big fish at West Ham. He, he's not the he's not the main man, and I think he knows he's, that, and, and that's reflected in his in his performances. He's kind of like, well, it's almost like a almost in protest to the fact that he's not starting every week. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it, I, I, I'm not saying he's deliberately playing no, badly, but it's like going it, through it, the motions, isn't it? Yeah, I just think, I mean, especially when you consider the fact he's on what he's the highest paid player at the club. Barely playing football, um, but one of the highest paid players at the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, barely playing every week, you know. After a while, and he hasn't really. There's subconsciously, no, he's probably thinking, yeah. "Oh, whatever." But he knows it's not going to change as well, doesn't he? Remember, yeah. like, that's that's the other thing. It's not like uh, if I start playing really well, I'm getting in ahead of Bowen and Fournells or no, it's like or Ben Rama. It's like, no, you're not, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely yeah. not. And even yeah, when Antonio's injured, it's oh maybe I'll get a shot up front. Oh no, Jeroboam will. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah, he's just not got a future, is he? It's not going to change, and you just sort of feel like he just goes through the motions. And yeah, like understandably, he cares more, doesn't he, about Ukraine? And uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Let's just give us a little bit of an analogy, then, Jones. What we're we talking like fish wise. You said he's a big fish in a small pond at Ukraine. What we're we talking like great white shark level or. I mean, I'm not Koi too clued up. I'm not too clued up in my fish, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at just... West Ham, at West Ham, we're just talking like your common goldfish, right? Household pet level, three quid, or the ones you win at the fair that die within two weeks. Yeah, oh, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> Hopefully, don't die <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't, definitely don't um, want him to die. Yeah, well, he does but... look like we won him at a fair, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe, maybe like a. Maybe like one of those tropical fish that kind of, you know, pr- look quite promising, but just kind of, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Sort of float about. Disappointing. Um, Meanwhile, there's yeah. like one of the, the big ones that do the cleaning with them flat mouths that are absolutely massive, like Declan Rice, just bowling yeah. around everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Lucas Fabianski, mate, I think we'll move on from that on that note, shall we? But <laughs> Lucas Fabianski, <laughs> um, he played his last ever game for Poland. Quite touching stuff, to be honest, mate. Uh, if you haven't seen the pictures already, he was subbed off during their game. I believe it was a win against San Marino. Um, and I think they won 5-0 or 5-1, something like that. Um, he was subbed off at around the hour mark and his teammates gave him a guard of honour as he walked off the pitch. Massive stand innovation from the crowd and he was in he was in bits he was in understandably again last ever game for his country uh yeah crying his eyes out bless him quite touching scenes and to be honest he'd, he'd announced the decision earlier on um in the summer or earlier on this year and Poland gave him that game as sort of like a 
all right, that's fine. We'll come and say goodbye one last time, um, which was was quite nice. And uh, yeah, a bit of a touching stuff for Lucas. Obviously, means a lot to him. Um, yeah, I don't know if you, you've seen the pictures, mate. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it was quite quite upsetting to see. It's like watching, yeah. like watching one of your kids upset about something. It's, it's Even like, though we established last week he could be my dad. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we're pretty much the same age. But you and him, not me and you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I like how you had to get that one in. Yeah, it's just um, proper panicking. <laughs> but yeah, it was upsetting, but fair play to him. One thing that surprised me, though, you know, given the you know the standing ovation he got, and quite rightly deserves it. But I always assumed he'd had more caps than what he did. I think it was fifty-nine caps he had for Poland. Mm. I took him off. Boy, check Chesney though, isn't he? He's been up against. Yeah, but when I was just doing, when I was looking up on it, and I thought, oh, it must be close to hundred caps. Mm. It, it isn't, and. But that just shows how much they they respect him and, and love him over there. 57. The 57 caps. Just, yeah, 57, yeah. So that just shows that, you know, how highly regarded he he is in Poland, that, you know, only 57 caps for his country. But to be handed a, a game that, you know, you can, you know, start even though you're not number one and, and come off to a standing ovation, you know, a guard of honour, um, just shows the type of player that he's been for his country. And obviously we know we know the type of player he is at club level. But I do wonder whether um a lot of that not a lot of that tears, but some of that emotion will have all already been borne out the fact that, you know, he knows his career is probably winding down a little bit as well. Um we've had the debates about mm. whether Ariola should come in for him at, at club level. Um and I reckon as part of him probably now going, well that's international football done. Yeah. He's probably only got one or two, well, a couple of years left at the top, at the highest level, and that's not even not in guaranteed number one spot at West Ham now. So, no. so yeah, but what what a servant for his country, um, and mm. also what a servant for for West Ham as well. And I was glad to see him so upset, but at the same time, it, it mostly out of pride, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, you got to take your hat off to him, haven't you? Yeah. Fifty-seven caps for your country at to. a time. Yeah, at a time when you're up against a, an Arsenal and a Juventus goalie or whatever in, in Wojciech Szczesny. So, uh, yeah, good luck to him. And uh, obviously, uh, yeah, sad to see him upset, but like exactly what you said there, mate. Uh, obviously proud of it. Pablo Fornells uh, didn't play. Spain obviously um, lost in the final of the Nations League. They beat Italy 2-1 in the semis and Fornells uh, stayed on the bench for that game. But uh, yeah, then they played France in the Nations League final on Sunday. That was, went 1-0 up through Mikel Oyarzabal, uh, but then Benzema and Mbappe scored for France. Uh, Fornells did actually come on there, Jonesy. It wasn't until a bit later in the game, 84 minutes. So he's had somewhat of a rest, which is uh, which is pretty good. But it's, it's pretty... It's good, isn't it? Having someone playing for Spain. I mean, obviously, Declan Rice playing for England is brilliant. I think it shows you the sort of level of the players in our, in our team at the moment. Uh, all right, it's not as good of a Spain team as it has been in the last 15 to 20 years or whatever. But ultimately, he's getting in the Spanish squad and, and getting some minutes here and there. Just shows you the quality of the players that we've got on our hands at West Ham at the moment and that our work and the performances of the team are being recognised on the continent. 100%. Um, I think for now, is probably the one I'm, I'm ha- most happiest for. Mm. I think over the last 18 months, he's been absolutely superb. And this season, he's been he's been brilliant for us. So he deserved his call-up. And when you consider the fact that there are Spain have got 
incredible amount of talent, particularly in this mm. position, um, in attacking midfield and, and sort of out, out wide, that you wouldn't you wouldn't really be surprised if he wasn't getting a call up. You know, you'd be going. Oh, no, 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 that's right. He's playing well. You know, would, you know, he's playing well enough to deserve a call up. But look at the players he's got ahead of him that are playing for much bigger clubs, playing the Champions League. Um, so the fact yeah. the fact that he's getting a call up each international break and getting minutes. You know, he, st- he started a couple of games in the last international break as well, I think. So, yeah, fully deserved. Um, it can only be good for him in his development as well. And, you know, I'm quietly, quietly happy that he didn't get many minutes this international break. Yeah, exactly, mate. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm delighted for him because he deserves it. And, you know, the way he speaks about West Ham and how much he loves the club and how much he wants to mm. retire at the club, you know, you can't, can't not love him, can you? No, so, no, no. His game's improving as well, him. isn't he? Yeah. yeah he's yeah. working hard at his he's game. Getting he's, he's getting better. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Alex Kral and uh, Thomas Suchek went away with the Czech Republic, mate. Both men started in their two-all draw with Wales. Suchek played the full 90 and uh, Alex Kral came off just before the end and uh, for their second World Cup qualifier, a 2-0 win at Belarus. It was only uh, Thomas Suchek that started the game, but um, Alex did come off the bench in that one. So, you know, Suchek particularly, I mean, to be fair, Kral only come on in the Belarus one in the 92nd minute, so it barely counts. So Kral's played 85 minutes of football, whatever. Thomas Suchek, I don't know. What, what do you make of that? He's played two full games, differing opinions of, of sort of the res- or what's responsible or why he's been in such poor form recently. You mentioned, I think it was you, mate, you just said he just looks knackered. I'm not so sure. It looks like a bit more to it than that. But if we're assuming that tiredness is at least part of it, in playing two lots of 90 minutes, not ideal? It's not ideal. He's captain, though, isn't he, at Czech Republic? So... Um, and I think they've got still got some work to do in their group and it was a qualifier. I might be wrong on that, but I, rec- I seem to recall they've still got a bit of work to do. So if if that is the case, I'm not surprised he has played played those two full games as, as captain of his country. But it, it, at the same time, and I noticed it, it is quite worrying that if he is tired, mm. he's done 180 minutes going into, as we've already established, what, five games in 19 days or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you'd like to think, you'd, you know, David Morris is probably going to give him a bit of a rest at some point between now and the end of the month. But, you know, you'd rather him be, you know, maybe just 90, 90 minutes under his belt, have a, have a full week off as well, and then go again. But, but yeah, I'm not really surprised. But one thing, I'm, I'm glad Crowell's got a few minutes, blow the cobwebs off. He's barely played since he joined the club, and he's only played that United game. Yeah, just that United game, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's just good for him to get a bit good. of a run out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what I, I get the feeling we'll see a lot more of him between now and at least the end of the year. Because um, yeah, the the rate that I, the rate these games are coming up, the minutes these guys are getting in uh, international break, and we've got another international break in November coming up as well. So yeah. I think Kraus, we're going to start seeing a lot more of Kraus. It's good for him to get a bit of a run out. 
Well, we were even talking, weren't we, last week about the potential of maybe giving Suchek a rest and, and Kroll coming in and, and giving yeah. a chance to show what he can do. So that will be uh, interesting if that ends up coming to fruition. But he's obviously still behind Suchek in the pecking order at international level too. So uh, there we go. Uh, Nikola Vlasic, Jonesy for Croatia. They played uh, two games over the international break. The most recent one was a two-all draw at home to Slovakia. And before that, they travelled to Cyprus and won 3-0. Vlasic started one of those and came off the bench in the other. Uh, he's another one, Jones, as well, just sort of peripheral at the moment, fairly quiet uh, against Brentford. A little bit of criticism, but I'm not interested in what he can do this season or maybe towards the end of the season, perhaps. That's a bit harsh. But like same with Ben Rama. I don't think Vlasic is a player for who we're going to see the best out of certainly in the next few months. I just think it's the same sort of situation where he's taking a bit of time to acclimatise to the, to the league and to the players and that his real quality will start to show through after a period of months. But um, again, is, is he one of those where you think we can afford for him to have the minutes or, uh, you know, we are obviously going to rely on him. Would you have rather seen him on the bench? No, I think, I think Vlasic getting some minutes is quite good. You know, he's not, I mean, I think he started the last couple of games at West Ham, but um, you know, there's players ahead of him in the pecking order at the club. So, you know, if he does get some minutes, you know, we can afford to to rest him. Hmm. Um, he's not, you know, he's not a starting eleven player just yet. I do think, as you just quite rightly said, I do think we we will start seeing the best of him back into this season and, and next year. I think. I might be wrong, but you know, the last time he was in England with Everton, it didn't really work out for him. Is that plan on no. his mind? I don't know. Um, or is he just a bit of a slow starter? We don't know. Yeah, um, you, I just don't think you can judge him this quick, mate. No, nah, no, nah, you can't. Definitely not. He doesn't look bad, does he? He's just like, no, no, know, he doesn't look bad. Bit... I think I think he'll come good in Europe more so than anything. He's got uh, additional experience in Europe. So, um, mm. but at the same time, as more has really worked out exactly what what role he wants him to play in, in, in the team right. yet. So, exactly, mate. Yeah, it's way too early to judge him, but it's good for him to get some minutes because he's not he's not played a full 90 minutes for us yet. So he'll still probably need right. a little bit of work, work on that sharpness a little bit. Yeah, 68 minutes he got uh, in that Cyprus win and then he only came off the bench just after half-time in the other game. So, you know, your time. I've already tried to do maths once on this podcast, so I'm, I'm not going to do it again. I think he got around... Um, 110 minutes of football approximately, which isn't uh, too bad at all. Side Ben Rama Jonesy played 90 minutes in Algeria's 6-1 win over Niger, uh, but started on the bench for their second fixture against that same, exact same opponent, which is uh, going on now. Um, he's another one, James, very, very important for his country, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you know, him and him and Mares are the two the two key key men for Algeria. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be quite yeah. I'll be quite happy. I'm he doesn't just double checking, mate. Tonight. So they've they've scored. Uh, they've, they've, that game's just finished. The second game, so they played Niger twice. Um, yeah, six one in the first game. They've beaten them four nil away tonight. That was, um, and he's out of ten goals there, mate. He, he hasn't scored one of them. I'm just checking. He didn't even come off the bench uh, tonight good. in that second game, which is uh, which is good news. Um, but yeah, also I, I say six goals in the first game, and he uh, 
he didn't get one of them. I don't know what he's up to there, but I perhaps he's just racking up all the assists, perhaps. Funnily enough, I didn't actually watch Algeria um, playing Niger in the, uh, the the World Cup qualifiers for Africa. So uh, I left the highlights. Yeah, I'm sure I can, mate. No doubt. Uh, and finally, mate, best till last, uh, Declan Rice, rested by Gareth Southgate for England against Andorra um, as they ran out unsurprisingly comfortable winners after the pitch caught fire and all that sort of uh, carry on. I think, Jonesy, um, it's quarter past seven at the moment, so we might even know the England team already. Yes, we do any starts. So Declan Rice starting against Hungary uh, this evening. So are you? Uh, that's not really much of a surprise, is it really, mate? And I think I don't think you can complain against Southgate for that. Hungary, obviously, the more difficult game of the two. Uh, he's left him out, not played him at all, Southgate, for the first one. Um, and he'll... I don't know, obviously depends how the game goes, but you'd imagine he'd get a full 90 tonight, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd think so. I'm not surprised at all. He was so important in the the away win at Hungary last month. Um, That's probably in Southgate's thinking, you know, he he helped dominate that midfield really, really well against them. So he's clearly gone for a stronger stronger 11 this time around and Declan Rice is is a starting, is in that strongest 11 for for Southgate. So I'm not surprised at all, and um, he'll probably do the 90 minutes. But the fact he was rested the other the other day does help. So yeah, quite pleased with that. Yeah, you take one one game for me, won't you? Just fingers crossed. I mean, uh, obviously, I don't want to jinx it. That game, England Hungary, kicks off in half an hour as we record. Um, yeah, just as long as we get everyone back fit, really, isn't it? The minutes are a neither hit. I suppose they do play a they do play a part or in you know, what uh, condition the players come back in. But as long as they're fit, that's that's all we're really bothered about, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I have, I, as I said before, I'm a little bit worried about some players getting getting quite a lot of minutes, i.e. Suchek, um, given the amount of games we've got. But you're I'm right, a bit worried can... about the amount of minutes he's getting for West Ham, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit harsh. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, as long as they're all fit, as long as there's no little niggles that could disrupt the balance of the team um, going into a very hectic schedule um, with a lot of important games, I think I think we'll be quite happy if we come through these these games unscathed. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, that's the uh, little international roundup then. Uh, more than anything, though, mate, I know people are moaning about it, but... It's what comes with with success, isn't it? You know, having eight first teamers out playing for their international um, or playing for their countries, it's just a it is a sign of success. We can only take it as a positive, can't we? Because all the big teams and the best teams, when the international breaks come round, they lose most of their players, and that's a yeah. sign that the players you've got are some of the best in the world. So, um, you know, all for it. I say, obviously important. I- don't want to burn them out, but it's, it's great. To, I'm, it's something I'm proud of. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I think it could have been worse. Like Antonio pulled out of international yep. Jamaica because of the travelling that was involved. Yep. Soufal pulled out because he's had that recent niggle, and I didn't want to jeopardise <laughs> that any further. I'm surprised he wasn't dropped if the Czech Republic manager saw him last game. Yeah, it's true. But but yeah, that's two two starting eleven players that have had a nice rest. Um, yep. I think Antonio obviously is the most important one out of all of those. I was all the travelling he did, he could have done last time, but didn't play all the games. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it could have been a hell of a lot worse. But you're right, it is a sign of 
the direction in which West Ham are going at the moment. The fact we've got so mm. many players out, out playing for their country. Absolutely, mate. Long may it continue as well. Uh, that's a little international roundup. We're going to do something a little bit different next. Uh, like I say, the, the great success, positive feedback from the little news roundup section we did last week. We've got a little bit of time tonight as well because it's international. So we're going to uh, just have a little chat about that Newcastle takeover, the implications to West Ham, what it means uh, for football as a whole, and just our general thoughts on that. That's coming up next before the Betway Charity Bets. <laughs> James Jones, Newcastle United were taken over finally uh, by the Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund. The Premier League have had legal assurances that the uh, PIF, as we will call it from now on, uh, are not are separate from uh, the Saudi government. Most people looking at it with an objective mind are scoffing at that and find that almost impossible to believe. Other questions are raised, of course, saying even if they're legal assurances, which is the bigger entity and how are the Premier League going to get on against in a legal battle against the Saudi government or yeah. the you know the public investment fund who's chaired by the um, Mohammed bin Salman, who's the main man in in Saudi Arabia as well. Um, it's it's been a really interesting one, Jonesy. To be quite honest with you, uh, my initial things you mentioned already. Um, we don't talk about it too much, uh, but we both do work in the industry as well, um, in sort of you know journalistic capacities. Uh, slightly different roles, of course, but there or thereabouts the same thing. Um, and it's hard to come away from me personally mate from the Jamal Khashoggi stuff um, huge question marks I, I just think from there it's hard for me to differentiate the two and people will argue about what football's becoming now and all football clubs are owned by big wealthy people etc etc blah 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 but for me there is a vast difference between and people have laughed at West Ham before West Ham fans and um, you know with our owners and where they've made their money in in porn or um, and then later on with Van Summers and with with sex toys and and all that sort of stuff in comparison mate it's that it makes them look like evangelicals doesn't it I mean you know mm. I just think the two are worlds apart there's like morally questionable and, uh, you know, I'm not of that way of thinking anyway, um, but some perhaps some more conservative minded older generations might have a thing or two to say about the way that Gold and Sullivan have earned their money. Um, but it, it's, it's a completely different league when you hear about the Jamal Khashoggi stuff, killing a journalist because he was an open critic of the country's government, uh, their abhorrent human rights record. Um, and I, I, I don't know, mate. I just find it hard to to separate the two. And I think from now on, as as you sometimes see with Manchester City, for different reasons, I, I, I say different reasons in terms of I, I'm not, I don't know as much, perhaps, or I haven't heard as much about the, the any human rights abuses or anything like that, in, and when the people involved in Man City, if they're involved in anything like that, but uh, whenever they win the league. People 
they're less excited about it, aren't they? And there's like a bit of an asterisk by it, which there will be whatever Newcastle do from now on, there will be an asterisk by it. Uh, f- football, football is changing, obviously, but I, I don't. It just makes me really uncomfortable, to be honest, mate. And I, and I'm surprised that the level of outrage that there was about the European Super League earlier this summer. I was so. Oh, what's the word? My faith was restored in. You know, like humanity and football fans and humanity might be a bit strong, but football fans in particular, like taking a stand against something that was inherently wrong and that went against what our game is supposed to be about. And the general level of what's the word like hit back or fighting back against this. I know it's different because it's not affecting everyone in the country, but the level of sort of criticism or or disappointment or anger at it has just left me feeling a bit flat again I think oh blimey no one really seems that bothered I know people are quick to go well excuse me you've let it happen to Man City you've got an oligarch in at um in at Chelsea and Roman Abramovich whose previous dealings are shady to 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 say the least or not you know do you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's mm. question marks certainly about where his money came from and and all that sort of thing. Um, and I, I don't know that. Just I don't think that excuses it for me, really. I don't think that excuse just because you've like let one or two in that you just have to it, just be a free for all. Then and there's no there's no sort of moral boundaries or anything. And the most baffling thing for me is the fact the way that the the TV rights piracy thing. Um, where Saudi Arabia lifted the ban on being sports, and uh, there was a big like piracy issue, wasn't there? That the Saudis mm. had allegedly been pirating TV uh, Premier League broadcast uh, rights, and it just just seemed it's just so wrong to me that that's the big hurdle they had to get over. And once that was sorted, it was like, oh, happy days, we're fine then. It's like, what? How is that the thing at the top of the list of things you had to get through um, before it was okay? And people go, oh, wasn't that? It was assurances from the from PIF about being linked to the Saudi government. Well, I think I'm one of the majority who scoffs when they hear the fact that they're separate entities. It might they might have got around it legally or managed to dupe the Premier League into thinking that. I think most right-minded people are of a different opinion. Um, but it's, it seems a bit of a coincidence to me as well that as soon as the piracy issue was sorted, that just happened to coincide with um, when the assurances that PIF were separate to the Saudi state happened as well. I know it's a bit heavy for a West Ham podcast. Um, <laughs> fair enough. And if you don't want to, obviously feel free to skip to the, the next thing. But I just wonder what your thoughts are, mate. Well, I think, you know, I, I agree that I'm, slightly surprised that there hasn't been more of a, a kickback from not just football fans but sort of just society in general um, but at the same time um, I did a bit of research on this on this PIF fund and um, they're very heavily invested in the likes of Facebook Uber mm. Boeing mm. BP um, which then leaves it's you with a bit busy, of a, I think. Disney as well. So 
the way I see it, and you know, absolutely, their the human rights record is is awful. Um, Jamal Khashoggi thing you mentioned, awful. Um, but if you start criticising their investment in Newcastle United, then you kind of then got to criticise their investment in all the other things that you use on a daily basis. That's the way I see it. Mm. Um, you know, if you're if you you're going on the Facebook and and slamming the Saudi Arabian government and and you know their links to the PIF fund for their human rights, their terrible human rights record, mm. then you kind of you're almost part of the problem because you're you're doing that on on a site that they're heavily invested in. Um, and then you're going down the petrol station and filling your car up at your BP local BP garage with petrol that they're heavily invested in. Um, mm. You get an Uber on your night out the following week in a cab service which they're heavily invested in. So you can't get away from it as much as you want to. You can't. Um, mm. And that's kind of where I'm at. Where I'm at, it's like yeah, it's terrible. Um, football could really do without people like that being involved in it, particularly you know the biggest league in the world, as it's as it as it's so called. Um, but the fact is that they're here. They've got control of Newcastle. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, just, you... I mean, or, I say there's nothing we can do about it. Like they're not going. The, the club's been purchased now. Like transactions oh, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mark Ashley ain't going to go. Oh, yeah, right. I'll take it back. I'll give you a refund. <laughs> no, he's out. No, he's no. out. He's out of here. Um, the the only thing I see happening is that. Things like the financial fair play thing, it will probably be tightened um, and, and more heavily enforced. To yeah, but prevent... that doesn't affect them until they're in Europe, does it? Why don't, but it doesn't. I mean, the yeah, I mean, because they barely spent anything over the last four years. I think they can spend. <laughs> yeah. They can spend yeah. two, or, two or three hundred million quid in January and still be alright for another three years. <laughs> Newcastle um, got seven billion in the in in the credit yeah. with the financial yeah. fair play. <laughs> but you know, I, I think. I think eventually that will that will come into play. Or the Premier League will bring in their own. You know, well, they've already got something similar to the the UEFA's financial fair play. Mm. Maybe they might crack down on it a little bit and go, look, okay, yeah, you own a football club, you own Newcastle, you're the richest now, the richest club in the world. But here's a bunch of sanctions that are going to prevent you from pretty much taking over and doing what you want. Um, mm. That's the only way I see anything being done that's going to kind of, you know stop them from becoming this this force and yeah. I, I don't think i mean if, if you allow them and i have to be fair i mean i haven't really got a, a problem with newcastle united becoming a force like that like if it's not if it wasn't newcastle it would have been another club like and if it was our football club regardless of whether it's the salaries or not it was our football club suddenly becoming the biggest club in the world uh or the richest club in the world then you'd be going all right okay interesting like and you, you'd be excited about it but do you not so think I'm not that? I'm not I'm not holding I, I don't care whether Newcastle are now going to go on and win Premier League titles and Champions League and stuff like that. Mm. I don't, what what I care more about is the fact that the more clubs that get bought out in this way with these sort of, you know, very incredibly rich beyond comprehension owners, it does remove the the competitiveness out of the Premier League. Of course League it does, and mate. Football, of course. And football all day, you know. So things have to be done. You know, if you if you've got you know we always moan with the Super League, you, you moaned about the top six or the the, the big six, the greedy six. Hmm. Um, you know, questionable whether one or two should have been in there, but how long before that becomes the greedy ten in the Premier League? You know, and then once you've got ten Premier League clubs 
wanting to do a Super League, then the Premier League's kind of in a bit of trouble because it's not six, mm. it's ten. Um, no. And what happens to the other ten clubs? Now, even if a Super League doesn't happen and you've still got ten clubs that are, are in the top 20 richest clubs in the world, which they mm. all technically are, really, if you look at the, the, uh, the Deloitte thing that comes out every year. Yeah, West Ham are dominant. Like West Ham are like 20th. Were they? We're like 20th richest yeah, club yeah. in the world, yeah. Um, and we have like you know a couple of quid behind the sofa to the likes of Newcastle now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's the way it's going. But the more people like you know Newcastle's new owners start coming in, they'll see what's happened at Newcastle and go right. Well, okay, well, if they can buy a football club, then so can we because there's plenty more of him around mm. um, and, and the Piff Fund around. Um, so, yeah, that's the only thing I'm worried about. That's so the fact that Newcastle are now the richest club in the world because I'm happy for their fans, really, because they've gone through very similar to what we've gone through in terms of, you know, problems with their ownership and or, or sort of, you know, disagreements with their ownership. Um, they've now got what they wanted um, beyond all their wildest dreams, um, aside from mm. all the, you know, the fact that it's you know, a very questionable buyer, um, to say the least. But I just don't want it to become... Newcastle, Man United and Man City just fighting for the league every year, which is a real possibility at the moment. And Liverpool, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I just, I just, I mean, people will say, won't they, that football was warped long, long ago and people always point to, all right, well, Blackburn won the league, but that was Jack Walker, like bankrolling it. Again, that was like a, there was a direct correlation even then between amount of money put in the league and, you know, if, if it was all down to me, and I appreciate this isn't realistic, but I like, I love the NFL model where there's salary caps and there's, uh, I know it's different because it's a draft system, I get all that, but there's salary caps and spending limits and, and all that sort of thing. And the way it works with that draft thing is that uh, the worst performing team then benefits in the next draft window and all that sort of thing in, the, in a bid to keep it fair and competitive. Um. And on the whole, certainly compared to the Premier League, it does work. I, I know that's not feasible now, and I know we're too far down the road and all that, but I just think I think that mindset that's crept into so many fans now, and I understand why it has, that's just like, oh, well, you know, Man City have done it, PSG have done it, it's happening everywhere, there's nothing we can do. That apathy that that breeds... That's the most dangerous bit of all of it, mate. Because at least with the Super League, everyone stood up and was like, nah, this is wrong. Um, and it just feels wrong with Newcastle for on lots of levels. Obviously, the, the people who are buying it, it's the main one. But like you said, I just think the fact that someone can come into the league and just decide now, oh, Newcastle are going to be good. It's almost the percentage of like what's important, i.e. the finances your club, your owners have got and the quality of your manager and blah, blah, blah. It's just so warped now. Mm. It's just like there's people on the radio talking and it is, it's basically when, not if Newcastle will win the Premier League now, isn't it? Mm. Let's be honest. Uh, there's, it might be, it might be 10 years. I'm not saying it'd be straight away. Well, yeah. but ultimately with, with that amount of wealth, they can just do exactly what Man City have done where you just have the best of everything. Don't you? Yeah. Right, that as in training ground manager, coaches, mascots. Like, yeah, I think bloke who kit man, bloke who cleans the seats after the. You know what I mean? Like for every single part of the club, 
is just like transformed overnight. And at least when Man United were dominant, all right, it was somewhat boring, but at least that was built off the back of genuine success on the pitch over a longer period of time. It felt more organic. And I realized that slowly and they kept adding to it and they were, and then they turned into a financial powerhouse, which meant that then they could pay the biggest players, the best money and blah, blah. But it did tend to happen a bit more gradually, didn't it? And they had, and you ask most people why Man United was so successful when they were in the 90s, 2000s, whatever. 95% of people will say Sir Alex Ferguson, right? Mm-hmm. If you ask those same group of people why Man City have been so successful, they'll say because they had loads of money. Although a lot of it is undoubtedly been because of Pep Guardiola. But, it, you know, they won the first title before he got there. Probably. And they wouldn't have been able to attract him, would they, with, exactly, yeah. without the, the money that's there. And that is the way football's going now, isn't it? And I just, and I know what I do take your point to an extent about Facebook and Disney and all those sort of things. But I just think with those, ultimately, we've all got a bit more of a choice with that in terms of, you know, if you want to stop using Facebook, you've got Instagram or you've got Twitter or you've got, I don't know, MySpace or <laughs> whatever else is there. Uh, a thing and if you want to if you don't want to watch things on disney then you can watch things on netflix or sky go or now tv or whatever no one's got an emotional attachment to any of those things have they they are just pure corporate interests with which no one has an emotional attachment and that's why people say isn't it the sports washing so dangerous and such an appealing target for organizations such as the the PIF or Sheikh Mansour's group or the guys who have FSG have got um, Liverpool, is because the consumers, a.k.a. the fans, don't really, they don't feel like they have a say, do they? I mean, granted, lots of fans, there might be people listening to this going, well, yeah, I haven't been to London Stadium since we moved because of that reason. So you can do it if you want. But ultimately, and that's admirable, those sentiments, but ultimately, the majority of fans will still continue to go because they've got one football club and they always have. And if not, you'll just get a new breed of, of supporters yeah. anyway who don't care and they're just there for the show. Um, yeah, and it just, the whole thing just feels a little bit jarring because then you think now, based on Newcastle can go from putting zero effort into the Premier League for the past however many years. Mike Ashley was there 14 years, wasn't he? But putting in virtually zero effort into being a, a that good of a football team, like they didn't really want to. Like they just stagnated, basically, didn't they? They went down a bit, come up, but ultimately they just stagnated. And just because some mega rich person somewhere that's now going to has decided they want to buy a club, that's now going to change the course of history. You can't help but think because there was such a poisonous atmosphere up there, in regards to Mike Ashley. That would have played a huge part in the the decision to buy Newcastle because there's going to be even less kickback against it because the Newcastle fans' joy was no doubt split. The percentage would be different across all of them for sure, but split between joy Mike Ashley's leaving and then like joy again that the people that are coming in and not only is it going to get rid of Mike Ashley, we're also going to be the new Man City and we're going to win the league. They would have taken anyone, wouldn't they? Mm. 
So I don't begrudge them being happy for the for Mike Ashley leaving by any stretch of the imagination. But from just a, you know, because people argue that he just exploits cheap labour with Sports Direct and all that. Uh, and that I'm, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of moral things that Newcastle fans could bring up about that guy as well. But I just I don't think that just because you've already got someone who's a certain level, you just let the badness keep going without any sort of resistance. Yeah, I do agree. I, I, I do completely agree with you, mate. Um, it can't well, be good th- for the game of football, can it? That's what I'm well, saying. Well, no, it can't be. And on any one, level. No. Um, I mean, on a on another side of it, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going to the footballing side of it rather than like the ownership side. But um, I mean, you briefly touched on it earlier that, you know, it's not going to happen overnight there. You know, it's, it's not going to. I'm sick and tired of reading that, you know, Newcastle are linked with killing Mbappe and they're going to sign Neymar and Harry Kane wants to sign for him now. And it's just like, oh, shut up. Like, it's just what player at that level in their right mind would want to sign for Newcastle right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, genuinely. Like, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, but for the money. Like, no. Like, no player is leaving a club playing in the Champions League, hmm. which, if they're that good, are probably playing for a club that's favourite, one of the favourites to win the Champions League. To play for a club that is, hasn't hasn't yet won a game in the Premier League this season is second from bottom. As things stand, still as Steve Bruce's manager, like these things are going to take time at Newcastle, probably more time than it did take for Man City. I think it took Man City four years to win their first trophy. Hmm. Um, yeah, okay, they brought Rabinho in on that on that day. That yeah, they also yeah. bought the club on deadline day, but it, it was didn't happen overnight. Though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it was rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> he thought he signed for Man United, didn't he? And you've got. You've got to really look at it and go, well, okay, they're now the richest club in the world. But it doesn't mean to say that by May next year, they're going to be lifting the Premier League title. And that's the way we're going to see them for the next decade. Um, we're not going to see Mbappe running out of St. James's Park anytime soon. Hmm. It's going to take probably five years to get anywhere near the Champions League, let alone win it. Um, so... But I mean, City still haven't won it, have they? The exactly, Champions League. Exactly. They'll probably win a couple of Premier League titles within the next five, six years, maybe. But um, even that, mate, that's a massive where's push the joy for me. In it? That's a massive push for me because it took City, I think, what, five years to win the title. Hmm. Um, and when they when they were bought out, they were already um, mid-table, I think. I think they were eighth when they were when they got bought out in the Premier League. It was about five or six games into the season. But the season before, they'd done pretty well because they'd, they'd spent a lot of money mm. um, under um, their previous owners. So yeah, they were already... Sinuatra, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he's thrown quite, quite a fair few quid in the <laughs> Money that he didn't have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so if you compare, if you want to compare the two, then City were in a far better position when they got their mm. um, sugar daddy compared to... <laughs> Compared to Newcastle, you know, Newcastle, like, you need to wipe them off the floor before they'd be able to walk again. Mm. Whereas City were, you know, they were strolling down the road, like, you know, looking, you know, doing okay, doing all right. Um, I read a funny report in the week, mate, that said um, Newcastle uh, got advisors in who had, or Newcastle, yeah, got professionals in who had advised that the squad is lacking in all areas. It's like a report you get a football manager, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Paying someone like 200 grand to do a proper in-depth report. And it's like, yeah, literally every single position you've got is turned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apart, well, from, uh, apart from obviously Sean Longstaff, who's as good as Declan Rice, isn't he? So? Oh, yeah. yeah. Apparently, talking to Declan Rice, what annoys me most 
is Rio Ferdinand coming out on his YouTube channel and going, oh, three players Newcastle should sign now, the richest club in the world. Uh, well, Jesse Lingard, which isn't a bad shout, actually, to be fair. Mm. Uh, Raheem Sterling and Declan Rice. They're the three players you mentioned. Former PAI Capital Ambassador for the West Ham yeah. takeover, Rio Ferdinand. Exactly, yeah. Um, mm. West Ham legend, oh. apparently. It's the second time in about four months he's, he's publicly <laughs> said that, yeah. a club should buy a Declan Rice. But, like, what world are we living in where Declan Rice is going to move from West Ham playing in the Europa League, captain in West Ham in the Europa League, to battling against relegation for Newcastle? Like, I don't understand the train of thought. And why would Raheem Sterling sign for them as well at this, at this moment in time? He's talking about January. He thinks they're just going by these players in January. And I just, like, what's going on? Like, Newcastle aren't buying that calibre of a player anytime soon. It's just not happening. City did it. <laughs> By buying good players from teams around them in the league, yeah, and yeah, up that way. Now they bought like yeah. Gareth Barry and, and and players like that. Newcastle, good players of teams around them. Who's you know might be able to sign cut the Bernie players and you know <laughs> maybe maybe one of Norwich's or maybe Pinky up front or something like that. Dwight McNeil, Dwight McNeil in. Um, Southampton might have one or two players they might be willing to sell, but they're not they're not signing Mbappe, Sterling. Dick and Rice, they might get Lingard, but it's not a bad shout in his game time. Hmm. Other than that, I mean, come on. Like, the whole thing's just completely clouded people's judgment on so many different levels. Um, yeah, and that's what's annoyed me most, apart from the fact that one of the Premier League's, a, a guy sitting at the Premier League uh, table um, isn't probably a very nice person, um, mm, to put it mildly. Putting it mildly, mate. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's one of those things that sort of, it almost just made me feel a little bit. I think yeah, everyone knows, don't they, really, that football's a morally corrupt game. I think it, it, people probably think if you're looking for football for, like, you know, moral guidance or whatever, then you're definitely looking in the wrong place. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I don't know. It just seems like anything goes these days, doesn't it? It's just like, if that's, if that's okay, then... Like, where's the line anymore? But I think that's yeah. a wider society thing as well, isn't it, mate? Yeah, just just lastly, that I think I think you're right, it is a wider society thing. But I think just lastly, there are quite a lot of people now, they just want to watch a game of football. Like, all the politics mm. and all the, all the additional stuff that goes on off the pitch. A lot of people just want to rock up on a Saturday afternoon, watch 90 minutes of football, meet up with their mates before and after a few beers and then go home. And, you know, yeah. team wins, brilliant. If the team loses, yeah. then it's a little bit of a bummer for a couple of hours, but you kind of just move on now. A couple um, of days, weeks, the, months. Yeah. Or yeah, you go on Twitter life. afterwards and have a, have a rant <laughs> about the referee and things like that. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, really, people just want to watch a game of football for 90 mm. minutes and the rest of it, they just let everyone else kind of deal with it. And I think that's probably why um, we haven't really seen much of a kickback from people because yeah, the Super League threatened threatened that chance of people actually going live to watch a game of football. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah, this, yeah. Hasn't, this hasn't. It just means that there's going to be another good team competing mm. in the Premier League. On um, unfair grounds. But yeah, I yeah. know what you mean, mate. Yeah. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you've uh, you've summed up the uh, the piece quite nicely there, Jonesy. And I used to, I would used to say, oh, you know what? You know, I'm going off the Premier League a bit. I'm just going to go back to my roots and start going to watch Southend like I used to. I used to go... Well, Southend at home. 
every, no, every time uh, every time West Ham were away and I couldn't go, I'd just go and watch South End at home. Watch them in the championship. What a season that was. And uh, yeah, so they're about to go bust. So um, where's the Saudi-backed takeover uh, looking to buy South End? They must Stan Collymore's offered, offered himself out, hasn't he? No, they're, 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 he's involved at the moment. They sacked Phil Brown, whole city legend Phil Brown, uh, as manager the other day. And um, yeah, Stan Collymore's on a four-man panel, including the absolutely shambolic, in-denial owner, Ron Martin to pick a new manager. It's just an absolute circus and that's pretty sad as well. So it turns out, mate, football's just rotten from bottom to top. So, uh, yeah, but look, if there, if, I hope you enjoyed um, our section there. But like James said, appreciate a lot of you just don't want to hear too much about that. Um, appreciate it's not really West Ham linked, but obviously a big story. So, uh, yeah, if you uh, it's not your thing, don't want to uh, pile that sort of stuff on you every single week. But a big uh, story that in, in football saying um, that I particularly felt pretty strongly about. But back to West Ham in no time, because next up we've got the Betway Charity Bets. <laughs> No Betway charity bets last week, Jonesy. It was international break, of course. We are doing all right this season so far, aren't we? As I mentioned, Reese is taking a few weeks off of the podcast, but he will be still chipping in with his bet every week. So uh, we're obviously still in. We have a chance of winning some money for Isla's fight, who Reese is playing for this season. Jonesy's playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombidi's Foundation, and I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund with the £50 charity stake that Betway give us for each and every West Ham Premier League game. This season, Jonesy, I don't know if you've got the uh, the current standings up there, but um, should we run through a team? We'll run through the Everton bets. First of all, you can tell us what one you've got. Uh, I'll run through mine and Reese's and you can get up the, the current standings for this season. Yeah, so for the Everton game, I've gone four. It looks like I'm the only one that fancies goals this, this weekend, but I've gone over two and a mm. half goals. Uh, Tommy Suchek goal, I know we were... We were questioning his place in the team, but I think he will play. He got the winner at Goodison Park last last season. Little smash and grab mm. up there. Um, and I've gone for Nikola Vlasic to get a goal or assist up against his former <laughs> side. Yet to do anything for us. I fancy him to go out to his old stomping ground and um, and potentially make an impact. Yeah, I mean, despite you calling Nikola Vladic in the, the group <laughs> earlier, I did, <laughs> I did like the, uh, I did like the sound of that. The old, you can hear the fairy tale headlines already, can't you? Uh, back to his old club where he he sort of stuttered and didn't do much, and goes back and and gets the winner. I just think Everton, uh, they're doing well this season, aren't they? Um, looking pretty good under Rafael Benitez. We'll hear from Tony Scott of course, in the next section to hear his thoughts on the Toffees. But I've gone for, for the first time ever, Jonesy, I never, ever do this, but I've gone for one all, uh, at least one goal in the second half and less than 10.5 corners. I don't know why I did that. I've just got a funny feeling that it's going to be one all. I think it's going to be a really cagey game. Everton have looked good and organised. I think Moisey will be quite happy uh, as I would be, to be quite honest, to come away with a point up there. Uh, so I think it's going to be a cagey, edgy game anyway. I hope that we would get a point. Um, 
yeah, and I, I, the other two, after I've gone for a score, that's going to make the odds fairly large as it is anyway. So after I'd done that, I wanted to stay pretty vague or pretty like guaranteed with the other two. So I went, yeah, more than 0.5 goals in the second half. Less than 10.5 corners overall. Uh, Reese has gone for under 2.5 goals. There to be a penalty awarded in the game and Kurt Zuma anytime. Every time I see one of you throw the old Kurt Zuma anytime in, I do get a little knot in my stomach because I think, oh, I'm, that is going to happen sooner or later. I'm not sure about the penalty, but um, yeah, not so bad. So as always, though, if you like the sound of any of those bets, you can back them in real life for yourself on the Betway website or app. Just go to that West Ham v Everton game this weekend and under pre-built bets you'll find uh, the we are west ham podcast bets they'll have my name reese's name and james's name against them you can back them for real if you like jonesy what do you make of uh, minor reese's in which is bold uh, i like it though mm. um started off well with a one all correct score yeah i think we don't n- n- none of us have ever really done a correct rarely score, do but, those do we no um and then the rest of it kind of goes predictably safe from you <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean the odds, odds on that should be pretty good. And and Reese's, I always, I almost went for Zuma because of the potential for a fairy tale. He was there on loan a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe there is a fairy tale in the offing. But I'm a little bit worried. I've now put that in because I'm the only one that's gone. Yeah, it's gonna be goals in this one. And you, both you and Reese have, have played it safe with another two and a half and a one all draw. Yeah, I just oh. let uh, Moisey and Benitez are pretty like organised, disciplined managers, aren't they? Yeah, but they're you say that, but we've been pretty good attacking wise, haven't we? So we can mm, go forward or defensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, mate, there's, there's sort of there's value in all of those, isn't there? Surely one of us has got to get a winner out of uh, out of those three, you'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm How will it affect? Me. Jonesy, yeah, I bet you are, mate. How will it affect the uh, the leaderboard and and the money we've raised so far this season? Then, well, I should have done early odds, but at the moment, Reese is leading the way with five hundred twenty five quid in the bank for Isla. Um, I'm st- I'm yet to have a win for for DT thirty eight, Didn't some some Foundation. You have got two hundred twenty five quid, Will, uh, with a fat asterisk next to it. <laughs> Like Newcastle eleven, they win the league. Yeah, yeah. After you bully Chad into paying out after Noble's missed penalty against United, so if you take into account Betway matching at the end of the season, that's fifteen hundred quid in the pot. Excellent, mate. Excellent so, stuff. No, nope, fingers crossed for another winner this weekend as well. Uh, coming next on the We Are Stand podcast, we've got our opposition view. It's Tony Scott. He's been on the show before. He's a great friend of ours. And he'll be able to let us know. Declan Rice, um, sorry, Everton, Josie. I don't know why I mentioned Declan Rice here. But Everton have been strange this season, haven't they? Everyone was kind of taking the mickey out of them um, for the signings they made, sort of unfashionable uh, yeah, Andros Townsend being the, the main one that people are quick to snigger at. Damari Gray, they bought in as well, and they're, they're, they're doing well, aren't they? Yeah, they, they always start the season well, I don't know. They're always quite good starters, and then they tend to, particularly over the last sort of five or six years, they tend to slip away post-Christmas. So it'd be interesting to see what they do this season. But they've started well, um, got rid of a, a couple of bad eggs, um, bought in 
I think I think a decent manager and a couple of just on, good, honest Premier League players. Um, everyone laughed at Andros Townsend, but hmm. uh, does a job. Did a job for Palace all those for all those years, and, and is doing it again for for Everton. Jonesy, West Ham women, fabulous win our way at Manchester City the last time we spoke. Stuttered a little bit. One all at home to Birmingham. Uh, sixth in the WSL, which is still really good. But it's just it's just frustrating, isn't it? One nil up in the game uh, and conceded soon after. I just, I don't know. It's, uh, if you'd have, taken, you'd have taken four points out of the two games, wouldn't you, City? away and Birmingham at home, you just snap someone's hand off. It's just such a shame. We could have made it uh, three wins from three, although that does mean the girls are unbeaten in four. Claudia Walker putting Ollie Harder's side up after 54 minutes. Louise Quinn equalising just 13 minutes later. West Ham had 65% possession to Birmingham's 35. All the passing, all the passing accuracy, nine shots, three on target. Birmingham had nine shots, two on target. Um, yeah, just a little, little bit of a little bit of a shame. If they'd have got the win, held on for the win, they would have gone above Brighton and they would have been fifth. Just uh, yeah, on level with points with Man United. In fact, no, they would have gone fourth because they would have gone above Man United on goal difference. Um, how are you looking at it? Pragmatic and thinking we've got four points from two games. We would have probably predicted and hoped for three from to stop being negative. Will or once you got the city points in the bag. You want to go again and capitalise and and uh, can make it six points from six. I think naturally you're, you're disappointed after the City win, but if you look at it, if you take a step back and actually look at the season that they're having so far, then you know you, you kind of got to go there. Yeah, four points out of those two games, absolutely fine, and it it looks worse because before the game, Birmingham didn't have a point on the board. They'd only scored one goal in four games. <laughs> Well, yeah, eleven. Um, and you could go well. I mean, if you if you're winning away at City two 0 you should be should be beating Birmingham. But you know, <laughs> I think we know more than anyone following the men's team all our lives that you know the West Ham Football Club just doesn't it it doesn't run like any normal football club. Things don't things don't happen the way they should do. Um, so and it's that seems like it's rubbing off onto to, to the women's team as well. But they're having a good season. They've started well. They're yeah. beating four. You can't you can't be too disheartened in that. And um, you know, we've got a cup game and cup game in a week, and then they go again in the league. So I think what we've seen so far already is that it's looking very unlikely. I touch touch wood. I'm not trying not to speak too soon that we're going to be in a similar position as we were last season in terms of relegation battle, looking over our shoulder. Um, you know, there well, are but we're least... not we're not going to be like that. You mean they're not going to be like that? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, um, I know it's only one one team goes down, but there are at least three teams in the WSL that are that are far worse than we are. Probably four. Um, so yeah, nothing to worry about. I don't think. Just frustrating that we couldn't get the win, but and move on. They're they're playing really well. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the hilarious bit, isn't it? Birmingham City. Didn't have a point from their first four games, conceding goals hand over fist. <laughs> um, yeah, that's only their second goal they've scored all season, let alone um, the amount they conceded. So with that, I mean, that was a little bit frustrating and sort of tinged with a bit of uh, gallows humour. But like you say, Leicester's still down there 
zero points after five games. Birmingham in trouble as well. Even Reading, three points from five. Um, so, yeah, definitely not going to be a relegation scrap, which is good. Just a shame. It would have been good to see them in fourth place, getting in the mixer a bit. Um, uh, you mentioned it, Erdo Jonesy, uh, West Ham's game. I'll just run through the league table first. So, West Ham are sixth after five games of eight points above Aston Villa in seventh. Uh, and then behind Brighton in fifth on nine points, Man United in fourth on 10 points, Tottenham a third, Tottenham are flying actually after a mediocre campaign last season. Yeah, Tottenham third on 12 points, uh, level with Chelsea in second on the same points and Arsenal, West Ham's next league opponent sitting pretty in first place, five uh, wins from their five games played, only conceded two goals, scored 19. So uh, yeah, storming. Uh, their way through the league so far this season. Arsenal, yeah, West Ham open um, their WSL Cup, the League Cup campaign tomorrow away at London City. Seven o'clock kickoff. That is at Prince's Park. Uh, Jonesy, that's another one of those. We're in a we're in a group there with Birmingham, Brighton, and London City. Our uh, Conti Cup group. Uh, top two it is who qualify. You'd hope we got enough to get out of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, they should do. They should do. They should get out of there. I think um, you you wonder whether I know the game's a little bit more spread out uh, for the women this season. Um, so mm. there's there's less, and especially not being in Europe as well. There's there's less onus on trying to kind of pick and choose which which competition you want to kind of prioritise. But I think it, it, Ollie Harder can afford to go for this and and you know continue or keep up the form that they're in in WSL. So and you fancy him to get out of that group, no problem. And so yeah, I think they're the clear favourites there, definitely. Excellent run to the semi-finals as well last season, wasn't it? Obviously got walloped by Chelsea, but an informed Chelsea nonetheless. Uh, yeah, London City in the league below, and I think we saw last season Jonesy, didn't we, playing against uh, the teams in that division below? The gulf is considerable, isn't mm. it, between the quality that West Ham and those WSL teams have got in comparison to the ones uh, in the Championship. Birmingham, you hope that we get our act together and uh, manage to overcome them in the league games as well. And then it's probably, to be honest, it's a bit of a toss-up, isn't it, with Brighton, whether we come first or second. But it'd be nice to see. It's one of those, it's just a winning feeling, isn't it? If you, you can get wins on the board, it just boosts confidence in the whole club and it's good feelings all round, isn't it? Yeah, I saw that last season on occasion where you know, I think they, they went on that sort of really poor run of run of form where they couldn't get a win and then mm. picked up the first win and then it was three games unbeaten all of a sudden and you know, that rampant win against, uh, I think it was Reading last season actually. Yeah, uh, that's it, the Preston, the didn't they? Yeah. And that, that set them on their way and then they, they go into the season with a bit of confidence and a bit of form and so yeah, yeah. This is the perfect opportunity to get some get some wins, take a bit of confidence into the league fixtures. Um, see, with the the Arsenal game coming up, that's going to be really really difficult. We've got Tottenham coming up as well. So picking up wins in this competition is going to be massive, purely for morale more than anything. But if we go deep into the competition, and happy days. Yeah, two two right, mate. Yeah, so you mentioned it there. There's a bit of a break 
after uh, tomorrow, so that's Wednesday night, the London City game is in the Cup. After that, there's a bit of a significant break. Uh, it's the 6th of November, West Ham's next game. That is away at Arsenal in the WSL. Arsenal absolutely flying, as we've mentioned. Then home to Reading on the 14th. Uh, the next round of the Conti Cup against uh, Birmingham. That's away to Birmingham on November the 17th before they welcome Tottenham. Uh, to Dagenham for that WSL game on the 21st of November. Uh, yeah, disappointing not to get the point, mate, but as we try and do with, with the men's team, as you've mentioned there, to think macro and to think bigger, Oli Harder doing an absolutely phenomenal job with the girls at the moment and to be sitting in, in you know, fifth, uh, fifth, sixth place in the league after, sorry, sixth place in the league after five games, getting a bit confused there, to be sitting sixth after five uh, only lost one game, two wins, two draws compared to what was going on last season when Ollie took over. Great turnaround in a great time frame. And uh, yeah, you've got to, got to applaud everyone involved with the club, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been incredible given what he took over, uh, the form that we're in. Um, and it was always going to be a massive job for him given what Matt Beard had done before and uh, obviously taken them to an FA Cup final previously and stuff like that and it will seem to go a little bit stale. Yeah. A huge, huge change in personnel since he's arrived. Mm. You know, a lot of players left in the summer but a lot of players have come in. He's obviously trying to build his own squad there. And, Clearly getting um, them to jail quick as well, isn't he? Getting, getting them to jail quick, got rid of a, quite a few players but uh, replaced them all with, with you know, a, a good a good squad and, you know, you can't, you can't do better than that at the moment. So, you know, I think this season was always about just ensuring there's no no other relegation battle. Nice, you know, nice e- easy season, no worries, nice and solid, and then use that hopefully as a as a way of you know as a way of pushing forward. But um, the job he's done so far has been superb, and I don't think many people saw it coming after the, the initial start that he had. Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. Delighted for him as well and everyone involved with the club uh, pushing in the right direction. So, uh, yeah, congrats to the girls. A little bit of a of a blip, but a, a win away at City and a draw at home to Birmingham. Four points out of those two games is more than anyone would have expected before. So you've got to take your hats off to the girls for that and good luck in that League Cup game. Away at London City on Wednesday. That is pretty much it for another week on the We Are West Ham podcast. Just me, Will Pugh and James Jones with you this week. Bit of a Retro, old school feel. Been great having Tony Scott. But stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts next. Well, Josie, that has been a very enjoyable podcast this week. A little bit more slower paced because we had the international break. Uh, we've got to talk some absolute random. Uh, threads at some point fashion we've covered the Newcastle Europa League all got a bit deep and a bit heavy then uh, Tony Scott on was great from uh, the of all of uh, together Everton podcast brilliant having him on for the opposition view the Betway charity bets as well and then that little roundup for the West Ham women then what I'm delighted to see Jonesy of course is that last week of course uh, I was just talking about how well I'm doing at fantasy and given it's international break nothing's happened at all so I'm still doing really well at fantasy yeah yeah I think I just felt sorry for you a little bit give you another week of just sitting sitting pretty and um yeah I've got a few tricks up my sleeve mate I'm coming for you (laughs) 
<laughs> tricks up your sleeve indeed uh yeah don't forget you can if you fancy joining that league you can uh, the we are west ham listener league in uh, around 450 of you in there at the moment uh the code is or1wuc that's the letter or1wuc uh, that's the fpl official fantasy premier league game if you want to join the listener league where I think I'm sitting about fourth out of 450, which James absolutely hates. So if you want to get involved, you can. Uh, Josie, before we do the last little bit of uh, of housekeeping, tell people where they can follow us and all that sort of thing. Uh, give us some final thoughts then on the podcast, the international break, the game West Ham have got coming up and then an extremely busy period for the club. Oh, it's been a good, a good episode. I think, um, these ones are always difficult because uh, yeah, you've got a game to look forward to, but nothing's happened for for 10 days. So uh, thankfully, uh, Newcastle got bought out and we had something to talk about. Um, and we've got an awards <laughs> yeah. evening on, on Thursday, so now everyone knows your fashion sense. So, um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, it's, it's been a good week. Uh, it's good to see that, you know, touch wood, all the players come back from international duty. Fit and raring to go for a busy October. Uh, some massive games coming up. Tottenham coming up, City coming up, obviously Everton this weekend. And the small matter of trying to go three wins out of three in the Europa League next Thursday. So, loads to look forward to. Uh, been, a, been, a, been a good chat. And um, hopefully, we can secure West Ham's first trophy since 1980 on Thursday night. <laughs> West Ham's first trophy since 1980? Oh, yeah. I mean, West, you know, we are West Ham podcasters up for it. <laughs> for a trophy so um so yeah i mean i was was thinking the other day i was thinking the other day if we do win it if we do win it then obviously betway are involved Hmm. technically west ham's second first trophy since we won the betway cup back in august betway are literally single-handedly yeah (laughs) their trophy cabinet is enormous but yeah uh, Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, look, just uh, we'll obviously let you know how we get on on Thursday. But it's an honour just to be nominated, as as James said, against some giants of the uh, football podcast game. So we'll have an enjoyable evening on Thursday. Probably worth figuring out exactly where it is first of all, James, uh, and then making sure, as we discovered off air, that um, we don't wear the exact same outfit as it turns out we were planning. Uh, busy time for West Ham on the pitch as well. That away game at Everton this Sunday. Be great to get a point there. Followed by Genk at home on Thursday, the 21st of October, for Tottenham come to London Stadium Sunday, the 24th. Man City at home in the League Cup on the 27th. For we go to Aston Villa on Halloween. Busy, busy time indeed. Do not forget that you can follow We Are West Ham on all of our social media platforms. We're at We Are underscore West Ham on Twitter. We're We Are West Ham Pod on Instagram. Just search We Are West Ham Podcast on Facebook. Do the same on YouTube and you can see the videos uh, on both of those platforms. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Give us five stars. Write us a little review and more importantly, pass the pod on. Tell your friends about us. Send them a link if you're in the pub or whatever having a chat about what me and Jonesy have covered. 
and uh, give him a nudge and tell him to download and subscribe if they haven't already. Good stuff for West Ham at the moment. Ninth in the Premier League, little bit of a break on the internationals for a very, very, very busy period indeed. We're still first in a Europa League group. I'm still fourth in mine and Jonesy's fantasy group. So all is well in East London. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for any of you who voted for us in the podcast awards on Thursday. Up the hammers, West Ham are massive. We'll see you next week. This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a signed and framed Tony Cotty shirt. Tickets are just £4.95 each and just 65 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Friday and the winner is drawn an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufal for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.